2: minimum of 4 lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due $35 per line connection charge applies ctmobile.com today is Sunday December 26th it's Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO I'm Bloy sulson your host a packed show for you ahead today we start with Senator Julie Rosen is is co-chairing the governor's new initiative and task force on criminal justice reform. Uh, she talks about the fiscal impact of criminal justice uh, and reform and what is expected out of this new task force that the governor announced last week. Our second guest is Vinita Sakar, the new morning host on News Talk 830 WCCO starting January 3rd. And our final guest is Sheriff David Hutchinson in his first interview since his accident uh, and his pleading guilty to driving while intoxicated. He'll talk about his re-election and more. You know, it is the season, the holidays, a lot of time with family, a lot of time with friends and reflection. And I think I just want to say this. Let's leave the politics to 2022. There'll be plenty. But as we reflect, I want to just say, the thanks to our listeners, my readers, followers, everyone who contributes and really steps up. May you have some downtime because my take this week is we all need downtime. It's healthy. It makes us happy. And it models good behavior for our children. Up next, Senator Julie Rosen on the Governor's New Task Force Related to Criminal Justice. I'm Floyd sulson on News Talk 830 WCCO.
3: You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois.
2: Welcome to the Sunday Take. Our first conversation is with Senator Julie Rosen. Uh, She has been a senator for quite some time. She's experienced on finance issues uh, and one of the leaders for Republicans and frankly, uh, somebody who kind of gets deals done at the Capitol. Uh, And this week, Governor Walls announced a new council on justice reinvestment, and she's going to be one of the co-chairs, and I wanted to talk to her about this council uh, on what she expects and where we're going. Senator, thanks for joining me this morning.
0: Hey, good morning, boys. Thank you so much.
2: So obviously, criminal justice, uh, crime has been a major issue in the state. There's been, it's been you know, political, naturally. It's been in the news. There's been all kinds of issues. And then related to that, you know, I I don't want to say kind of out of nowhere, but it felt like it was coming out of nowhere. The governor announces the Council on Justice reinvestment. How, you know, and you're going to be one of the co-chairs. Can you talk to me about kind of how it came about, how quickly it came together, or was this conversations that were happening for a while?
0: Oh, thanks for the question, Blaise. I'm really honored to be a co-chair on this with this Kevin Reese, who I have not uh, met, but he's somebody that comes highly regarded. And we have um, a very diverse group on this council, which will be interesting. I uh, actually, you know, said yes to this council probably two, almost three months ago, and it came from the Council of State Government. Okay, Bureau of Justice has uh, given some money to get something like this going and they have some results and they have a lot of information uh, coming about Minnesota specific. But as you said, public safety is the number one issue on everyone's mind right now, because all you have to do is open the paper, listen to the news, and it's one incident after another, and it's not the Minnesota that we know. So, um, like I said, the diverse group of folks on this, um, uh, Ramsey, a Ramsey uh, County Attorney John Choi will bring a different perspective than what I'm going to be bringing. I'll bring the finance side and also the Greater Minnesota side. Uh, you have Senator John Marty, Representative Rena Moran, and Paul Novotny, who was um, a law enforcement, and a whole slew of other people that bring that come from the county and state level.
2: One of the thing issues that over the years has had bipartisan support was some uh, kind of reform around incarceration uh and you know it costs a lot of money to keep people incarcerated it's better if we can put them back uh in society making them quote productive members of society um and then when you have you know a little crime wave like this people start to look obviously at criminals and should they still be in prison things like that do you think that that has shifted in any way? Is that when you talk, talk about the finance side, is that one of the considerations, um, that, you know, maybe needs to be relooked at. It, it's also, you know, we kind of want people to be able to clean their record so they can get a job afterwards, which has also been a bipartisan initiative. Where's your, where's your head around kind of how those issues have played in or not, uh, in this council or going forward.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. The, the criminal system, the foster care system, which I've been uh, intimately involved in a lot of that legislation to make sure that we take care of of the services and, and these children going forward. But the we we've done a terrible job at making sure um, we provide those wraparound services. And that's not. I don't mean that as community supervision because to me that means you are letting them out early without being prepared. we have to we have to number one make sure before they even get into the criminal system that they um, that you know what is their mental health assessment? We've got this mental health mental disease mental health disease issue that is just mm-hmm. off the charts right now and it's been growing even before COVID and COVID just exasper- exasperated. You have a substance abuse, a chemical dependency issue that is off the charts. So let's make sure we get a right assessment with these, these people before we throw put them into prison or incarcerate them and get them the services there and make sure that we can um, send them out with some other wraparound services to make sure that they pre- become productive citizens. Um, Blue Earth County and some other counties are taking on this project called Yellow Line Project. Yep. It was built several years ago. And- the counties make it their own, but it's all about getting the correct assessment for these people because it's not fair to throw them into a jail cell and not provide mental health services or chemical dependency services or whatever else they need. But also I do know this soft on crime approach that has been the trend lately, that is not working also. So on the, the finance side, which why I believe I'm the co-chair, is to take a look at what we have as far as these services, what's working, what's not, a little bit of accountability, and a lot of accountability, actually, a little, um, you know, just focus on what's working, what's not working.
2: My guest is Senator Julie Rosen. She was named this week as the co-chair of uh, the governor's new initiative, the Council on Justice Reinvestment. Uh, One of the you know, numbers that stood out to me was, you know, Minnesota's rate of probation seems higher. Do we keep people on probation longer? Do we know what that has meant for you know people getting AA back to the workforce? And then you you bring up a huge uh, factor which we've talked about uh, for years, and that is mental health services. Um, They obviously, they cost money. There's labor shortages, all those kinds of things. Are there some projects, you mentioned uh, other counties, are there some projects around the country that have seemed to work better that maybe we can try here in Minnesota?
0: Mm -hmm. That's a great question, Lois. And that's the information that I'm hoping that council of state government can give to to us. Okay. Um, The governor's approach and the commissioner's approach on this um, cost-saving measure for early release, does not does not equate to what the the r- normal citizen want. They don't want somebody that's to be released early unless they're prepared to be released early. Mm-hmm. So let's get them those services if it's going to cost some money and we have to do something uh, different. Then let's do something different. We have we have a surplus. We can, but we also have a fifty two billion dollar budget and we can do better with what money that we have poured into public safety safety and the Judiciary system.
2: Final question here for Senator Julie Rosen on this. Um, When will people start to maybe get together on this? And then what's the timeline for the findings and recommendations of this council?
0: Well, we are scheduled, I believe, that week after the New Year's for our first meeting. And then a report has to be out by February 1st. So the governor gave us a very short timeline to get something going because he just made this announcement. Um, but, uh, we're ready to roll up our sleeves and get, it might be very long sessions and that's okay. Very long meetings with all these folks. But, um, I, I hope everybody comes to the table, um, with a transparency and some honest, um, ability to look at all sides and all corners of the state and not just what's happening in their backyard, because, um, we are, we have to do something different now.
2: Yeah, no, I think, you know, um, that is a good point that this isn't just as twin cities issues. This is an issue across the state. And I know um, from your district in southern Minnesota, mental health services are an issue there for people, you know, uh, you know, getting into trouble again, time after time after time. So I think you raise it as a good point that this is this is a statewide initiative. State Senator Julie Rosen, thanks for joining me on Sunday Take. When we come back, We'll talk to Vanita Sakar. She'll be the new morning host on News Talk 830 starting January 3rd. We'll talk to her about how she thinks about Minnesota's issues and Minnesota's audience. On Sunday Take, I'm Blois Solson. Back after this. incoming morning news host, Vanita Uh She good. will join WCCO on January 3rd. Vanita, thanks for joining me this morning.
1: Good morning. I'm glad I do have a cup of coffee, so I am ready for this chat.
2: Well, good. Uh, I usually have a cup of coffee when you talk to me at 620, and you'll sometimes hear me sip my coffee while you're talking because... Uh, you and I have had mornings in common for a long time Um, and in fact when I launched morning take you were an anchor at channel five and you were part of my audience I wanted to get the news of the day in the world of politics out to media before uh, you know kind of the political day starts which is usually mid-morning so Uh, I know you don't have a problem with mornings, but you are going to have a little adjustment here uh, after not doing mornings for a while, right?
1: Oh, my gosh. Yes, for sure. And yes, I am a proud Morning Take subscriber and Health Take, all you're doing. I like to say you are kind of the cliff notes for everybody. Now, that takes me back. That ages me because cliff notes, you know, (laughs) back in our day, um, it just gives you kind of an idea of what's ahead. And I, I really appreciate it. But yes. It is going to be a little bit of an adjustment, but here's the deal. I did mornings uh, on KSTP for the last eight years of my 18 years there, and you had to get up so early and you had to look nice. I, you had to wear a suit. Right. You had to do your hair and your makeup. Now I can just go in with a maybe a sweatshirt or whatever, and no one will know. No one will see me unless we do those video interviews, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm really I'm excited about,
2: this next chapter sounds good well we're excited to have you but I I think it's important you know for the morning take audience for the Sunday take audience you know you're a journalist you've been a you were a journalist for a long time before you you know came over to PR it's good to have you back in the news I I think I've proven the hybrid model can work but just (laughs) just know where did you get your kind of desire to work in news and and what parts of the news kind of drove you to to pursue a very successful career in TV?
1: Well, that's very nice of you to say. I appreciate you saying that. That means a lot. Well, I'll take you back to fifth grade. I was uh, working on a little school newspaper in fifth grade and loved journalism. The journalism bug bit me then, and I never looked back. I uh, majored in uh, journalism and political science at Boston University and pursued a career in journalism, and it was a wonderful was 23 years in television, three years at the Star Tribune. 18 of my um, 23 years in television were at KSTP. And I just loved the key things about journalism, being the first to know what's going on. I always want to be the first. And I love being able to tell people, whether it's good or bad, to be the one that convey the information. And that's been my love of journalism from the beginning. Um, All the other stuff with TV, you know, having to look pretty or all that, what you're trying to look good, that always got in the way for me. I really love just cutting to the chase and being that person that people turn to. So that's the beauty of radio. You get to talk. You get to interview the newsmakers. You get to find out what's going on. You get to really go deeper into different issues and Um, ideas. And I'm really, really excited to talk to different people, to hear from listeners, whether it's on the text line, really engaging with Minnesotans all over the state and all all over this region. CCO has such a huge reach that, um, and I've, you know, I started my career in the Red River Valley in Fargo-Moorhead at KXJB TV. And I used to listen to CCO radio then. That was in the early 90s. So I know the history and I know the reach and I'm just really excited to be a part of it and to jump back into to journalism. Although it's not quite journalism as an on-air host, right. you're, it's a little bit different, but I will bring that journalistic perspective to it.
2: We're talking to Vanina Sakar, She's going to be joining on air uh, January 3rd. She'll be uh, the morning show host from 6 to 9 a.m. I'll talk to her every morning at 620. You know, other than the producers and the newsroom. I'll be your first guest Monday through Thursday, and so uh, just know that uh we'll, Since you and I have known each other quite a number of years, I think it'll be easy. And you know, that's what Dave Lee always made it. Is people would say, "How do you and Dave know what you're going to talk about every day?" And I'm like, "Well, Dave makes me look really smart every morning," and so uh, it is just a conversation. You mentioned that you studied political science as well as journalism in college, yeah. which which part of uh, your fifth grade newspaper or the interest in politics or news did you find most fascinating uh, in, in college or, you know, since?
1: Well, you know, one of the reasons I, I was really on the fence in college of whether I would, I love journalism, but I did love politics. I loved just also, again, you're at the center of what's happening. You are the one whether if you're working for someone who's an elected official or if you're an elected official, you get to decide and figure out what's going to happen and and policymakers. And to me, that is super exciting. So when initially when I graduated from college, I didn't get a job right away that I wanted to in journalism. And I was this close, this close to just packing up and going to Washington, D.C. and trying to find a job and working my way up in the political world because to me to have that impact would have been really cool. But then I got the job at KXJB and, and here I am, but I've always been fascinated by the people who run for office. Um, I love following politics. That's one of the reasons I like to follow what you do and what your uh, morning take has. And I just, it's a, it's a tough job being a politician and, um, I just I just find it really fascinating and it's it's interesting and they have a huge impact on our lives.
2: When you think about those years and I always you know, it's interesting you say that you thought about going to Washington, you know, as I you know, I was I had a journalism major. I was a poli sci major and then I added journalism when I became the editor of our college newspaper and I always had an interest. I shadowed uh, at KDWB in ninth grade. I shadowed at KSTP in 10th grade. Um, I love it. Um, so I always had that interest and in, I was a paper boy, but um, you know, I always said, you know, I, I had people in my world say to me, like, you're not gonna be a journalist. Like, A, you're a little too opinionated, B, <laughs> you're too into the politics to not be a part of it. And so it is interesting how we make those decisions younger uh in life and Um, And how it gets us here today, because in politics, I was a press secretary, as you know, and I -hmm. had to do clips every morning. And so between doing clips every morning for uh, your boss or part of the country for, uh, you know, a, a cause or something like that, and delivering the newspaper early in the morning, I joke that not much has really changed in 40 years. I just still get up take some clips. The difference is now I walk about 50 feet uh, and like (laughs) you, I don't have to get showered. I don't have to get dressed. Um, I grab a cup of coffee and I'm ready to go. But um, it is that path is interesting. Um, As we wrap up here, talk about, you know, kind of your path because you were at St. Thomas most recently at a very fascinating time in St. Thomas's evolution um, as they went D1, as they've become a, a major higher education institution, they were significant before, but that step to D1, their presence in our community, their their notoriety nationally has gone up so much recently. What was it like and, and what did you learn from the PR side that you thought uh, you knew all about when you were a journalist? <laughs>
1: I know journalists think they know everything about PR. Isn't it funny? Really? Uh, yes, I was one of those journalists, but I certainly learned a lot. I did um, after I left the Star Tribune in twenty fourteen or thirteen. I um, no, it was twenty sixteen. I went to Health Partners, and then I was there two years doing PR. And then I've been at Saint Th- was at Saint Thomas for almost four years, and I learned so much and. Uh, my role at St. Thomas was media relations, so I was a 24-7. A reporter texted me, wanted a professor or a comment. I was getting back to them because I remember what it was like to be a reporter. So I loved having contact with all the Twin Cities journalists these last four years. And then I also oversaw the social media for St. Thomas. And University of St. Thomas, I'm telling you, Roll Toms, it's it's where it's happening. The, some incredible leaders there, incredible vision, Dr. Julie Sullivan. And when you get inside a higher ed institution, it's really remarkable to see the incredible people working with our college students. And whatever you think of that age group of college students, I was so impressed talking to all the students at St. Thomas, getting to know them, their passions, their goals. And as hard as these years have been, these COVID years, these kids and I call them kids you know yep. they're older but they're kids and I just I love seeing their passion and they want to make a difference and the university itself we're raised you know the, I mean I still say we because <laughs> yeah. it still feels like we but we were raising the profile nationally and I think this d1 platform was giving us that opportunity to do that I'm just so proud to have been a part of it and we'll continue to cheer them on because I know what an incredible place it is, and it 's going to keep growing and, and keep doing wonderful things. but for now, this opportunity came up, and I you know how do you say you can 't say no to WCCO radio uh, this is just an incredible opportunity to reach a bigger audience to maybe play a role in getting information out to interviewing people and just doing some things that I used to love that I never thought I'd get the chance to do again. And I'm super grateful I have this opportunity.
2: Well, Vanita, we are excited to have you. I'm glad that you said yes to WCCO Radio as well. And, you know, the thing about public relations, uh, and you and I have known each other uh, a couple decades, I'll just leave it at yes. that. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, is that it is about relationships. And I will tell you, and I think I told you. When you took the job and we talked, is that waking up every morning and having, even though it's over the radio, a relationship with the way Minnesota wakes up is something that is special. And I know you're going to do a great job. I look forward to talking to you every morning. And uh, we'll, we'll talk all year in 22, because there will be a lot of politics to talk about in 2022. Vanita, Happy New Year um, and Merry Christmas.
1: Thank you so much, Boyce. You've been so welcoming. Everyone has, and I'm really looking forward to our chats. We'll try not to talk too much hockey because I know how much you love it, and I love it too. We'll talk politics.
2: We got through this whole thing without talking hockey. Thanks for listening. <laughs> it's Sunday Take, and I'm Boy Solson. Welcome back to Sunday Take. I'm Boy Solson, and this is News Talk eight three zero WCCO. Joining me now is Sheriff Dave Hutchinson. He's uh, been the Hennepin County Sheriff for three years. Uh, he's in his first term. And uh, if you followed the news lately, you know he's been in the headlines. Uh, he recently uh, had a driving while intoxicated accident. Uh, he rolled his car, he was hurt significantly. But I'm appreciative that he's uh, willing to join me here for a
4: conversation uh, about things. Sheriff, how are you? I'm pretty good. And uh, happy holidays to you and your listeners. Thanks for having me on. No problem, Sheriff. Thanks
2: for doing this. Um, obviously, the news uh, the last couple of weeks is not what you'd want it to be. Uh, you've had some time to reflect. Where are you? You know, I know you're seeking some, uh, some treatment. Uh, where are you at in kind of reflecting on what the incident means for you personally?
4: Uh, thank you, sir. And again, I made an inexcusable decision. Uh, to drive after drinking um, i take full responsibility for it um i i, I pled guilty cuz i am guilty it was probably my um it's a low point in my life i've disappointed a lot of people including the people of Hennepin county um i'm working hard i'm talking to an addiction counselor and another therapist and i started that last week and will continue going to that as a outpatient treatment and I have a lot of work to do um I don't have any excuses. Um, I'm not asking for forgiveness. I'm just hoping people uh, give me the chance to earn their uh, trust back. Um, I'm confident in my ability to serve the people of Hennepin County. Uh, I have no intentions of resigning. I'm going to fulfill my term as elected. Uh, and now we have to worry about, uh, you know, uptick in violent crime in Hennepin County and nationally. Uh, again, I've, I've had a couple of weeks to uh, think about what I did and, each time I think about it, it hurts my heart more and more. Um, I'm not used to making uh, poor decisions like that. I'm used to being on the right side of the law. So this has been uh, a tough time for me, uh, but I need to get back in the saddle and lead Hemp County Sheriff's Office uh, to uh, hopefully a better a better year.
2: We'll get to crime in a little bit because obviously that is a topic. We earlier in the show talked to Senator Julie Rosen about the governor's new task force uh, to deal with uh, crime and uh, the criminal justice system. But Sheriff, you know, you said right away, and Minnesota is uh, obviously a state that understands treatment, uh, recovery, uh, alcohol, thanks to Hazelden and other great programs in the state uh, very well. Um, but you you immediately said you would seek outpatient treatment. Is Is this some, is this an issue you've struggled with for years, or can the people of Henneken County maybe just think, oh, look, he's just doing this to kind of, you know, save face?
4: Yeah. And that's obviously come up and I've always been a social drinker and, and you know, the, over the last uh, couple of years, I've, you know, reflecting now, uh, I, I have increased my drinking. Um, and, and I don't know if that's, um, you know, trying to get my mind off the job sometime, but, uh, I have, uh, noticed it looking back and, uh, it's a problem. I, I don't necessarily drink frequently, uh, but when I do, I, I I overdid it. I probably have one or two more than I need, uh, and that's uh, something that I've now decided I'm not going to drink anymore. Of course, I I can't because of uh, restrictions. But on a personal note, too, I don't need alcohol. Through uh, the few treatments I've had, uh, I've learned to deal with stressors and, and other things in a healthy way. The gym, going for a walk, um, you know, reading a book trying to better myself. Uh, I, I don't need alcohol. Alcohol is not good for me. Uh, and I have been, you know, uh, suffering for, uh, probably a good year and a half, two years. And, and now it's the time to stop that, get myself mentally, physically, and emotionally stable so I can lead the, the county for the next year and hopefully beyond.
2: My guest on Sunday take is Sheriff Dave Hutchinson. We're talking about, uh, his recent, uh, accident and pleading guilty to Uh, driving while intoxicated um is there you know you talk about the last couple years but you know there's also been a lot of obviously uh, eyes uh and attention on the culture of law enforcement you've been an officer of the law for quite a while um is is drinking a big part of kind of the off-duty culture from the stressful job amongst law enforcement officers
4: Mr. Wilson, I I can talk for for myself and, you know, my close friends, and I think sometimes it does get abused uh, because a lot of times we see stuff, um, you know, lately we've been under the microscope uh, nationally for police uh, reform and police uh, accountability, so I think it it does affect people and and cops sometimes in general do drink more than they should, Um, but it's a problem that, that is, you know, persistent in public safety, not just policing, but you know, firefighting and the EMS world. And um, there there is research saying that law enforcement officers do consume more alcohol than they should. And again, that's from, you know, nobody calls us when when things are going good. They call us when things are going bad. Um, and, you know, the last few years, I've, I've really pushed this try wellness for my deputies and staff to make sure they're physically, mentally, um, financially stable. Um, and unfortunately, I didn't practice what I was preaching. I, I should have i been taking better care of myself emotionally and mentally. Uh, recently, I did lose some weight, so I'm, I'm help. I'm uh, working on my physical fitness, and now it's time to go back and work on my mental health. And um, law enforcement is a tough job, but we picked it. Uh, we we love doing this. I love doing this. I love Hennepin County Sheriff's Office. I, I'm so honored to be a part of it. And you know, through this, has has really been an embarrassment to me and. I hope that doesn't reflect in the sheriff's office because the men and women of the sheriff's office are some of the best in the business. And, and I'm going to use my platform uh, to make sure that any police officer, deputy or first responder, uh, anybody can reach out to me anytime. And I'll, and I'll guide you through treatment programs if need be, but I don't want to see anybody go through what I had to go through. Um, Not only the physical pain, uh, you know, broken ribs and, and, and other things are very painful, but also the emotional toll stake and um, I want to make sure our, our peacekeepers are held to a higher standard and we get the treatment we need uh and so now it's time to work on me. I've helped other people and and uh I, I you know I'm reaching out I need help
2: Some of the um evidence that was seen at the uh, accident site wasn't just about drinking, but there was some gummies or some other uh c b d things is is alcohol the only thing you've used to self-medicate or are there other uh drugs and uh, that you've used
4: no alcohol has been the only thing you know um, you know we go back to you know the state patrol in douglas county did a vehicle inventory search and um uh, some of that stuff wasn't in their search um I, I don't use other substances besides alcohol in the past and um you know that's kind of a a different thing we're working through with that and um there's been some discrepancies, but, uh, again, yeah, I've, I've never uh, used illegal substances before. Got it. Sheriff,
2: um, there's a couple of kind of key questions. Obviously listeners want to know first is, uh, your vehicle was totaled. It was a County vehicle. Uh, you, uh, any thoughts on whether or not, um, you would pay for that vehicle or how that would be handled?
4: Absolutely. I'm, I'm paying for it. The taxpayers. Sure as heck shouldn't have to pay for my mistake and my, um, you know, being stupid in this in this case. Uh, I'm working with the county administration uh, to pay for the vehicle, work with my insurance to see if they covered it. But if not, I'm going to have to pay for it. I will pay for it. Uh, Again, the taxpayers shouldn't have to spend a dime on on my mishap. So we are working through that with county administration. Uh, And again, I'm going to make sure that the county taxpayers don't get stuck with the bill. We're talking to Sheriff
2: David Hutchinson here on Sunday Take. Sheriff, uh, just last week, uh, Officer Kimberly Potter was found guilty on two uh, counts of manslaughter, first degree and second degree. Any thoughts on uh, that uh, and the verdict there uh, related to that case? Because obviously that happened in Hennepin County. It led to a lot of tension again last April and May. Uh, And again, it's another example of a lot of focus on the practices of law enforcement.
4: Yeah, and again, I think the, the jury spoke. The jury came up with a decision, and that's how our judicial system works. Um, and I think it's important to note that um, mistakes happen, um, and she's facing the consequences. And other law enforcement officers need to learn too that we have to be the best at our craft. We got to have money for training. We have to have um, you know money for our well-being. Um, but training, really needs to improve if the, the taxpayers want a better service. Um, from us they demand it and we're going to give it to them. But again, you know, with our new training facility up in uh, Maple Grove, uh, it's going to have reality-based training, de-escalation. All this stuff is important because the people speak. They want us to be better. We have to be better. Um, so again, uh, the, the jury came up with a decision um, and our judicial system, I think, is, is is right most of the time and um, she'll have to live with that and their law enforcement officers need to learn that we have to do better.
2: Uh-huh. As you, I know, have been on these uh, airwaves, on other airwaves, talking about the need for more officers from the county, um, the crime wave that there's been. I know you've been more active in the city of Minneapolis than traditionally. Sheriff's departments have needed to be. Where do you think some of the uh, major issues are, you know, even on specific issues like the carjacking issue um there's been a lot of chatter amongst police chiefs political types do you have a sense of why that continues to be kind of uh such a threat to the public
4: yeah i think you look at minneapolis they're you know a third or more down police officers less police officers on the streets um can equate to more crime um and again a lot of these people that are, are getting arrested for it you know, my of the Hennepin County Violent Offender Task Force, makes a ton of arrests. Um, and, they you know, a lot of these times, these people with five or six felony charges don't even necessarily sit in jail more than a few hours. So, uh, you know, we're held accountable. I'm held accountable. The judicial system, our, our judges and attorneys need to be held accountable. And if you're out hurting people, carjacking, shooting people, um, you, you belong in a secure facility. We can give you treatment if need be, uh, mental health, addiction counseling. But also jail. jail is a place for bad people that, that are hurting people. So I think we got to get the number of police officers and deputies up. got to make sure we train them to the best of their ability. Um, you know Minneapolis and Minnesota and Epa County are on the map nationally um, for police reform and I like to call it police evolution. We have to evolve and do a better service for the people and we'll do that with good training, hiring the best people. A lot of that comes with you know paying officers more money recruiting in different aspects. So I think we have to get there. We enforce the law. The justice system needs to hold them accountable. um, So we're all better and all safer.
2: Is there, um, when you talk about more resources, there's been things like the gang strike force in the, in the past. Does there need to be, you know, kind of a Metro wide unit to track these? Many of them are youth and juveniles who, you know, they get caught. As we know, their record is not public. Um, and they're, you know, they may be let go earlier than an adult. Is that is juvenile crime, the driver? And do we know if juveniles are committing the crime, who's motivating them to, is it, is it organized crime or is it just kids trying to, you know, fend for themselves or, or be cool gang members?
4: I think all of those things are a contributing factor. These young men and women who are doing these crimes uh, need something to do. Uh, that's why a lot of the after-school activities, and, and I think parents need to be more um, involved in these people's lives. But uh, again, everybody makes mistakes. I'm the first one to admit it, obviously. Um, but everybody's deserves a second chance. But when we're getting the third, fourth, fifth, tenth chances, there's a problem with the system. They need to be held accountable. They need to be through treatment or what have you, because. Right now, um, there's some young men and women uh, throughout the uh, Hennepin County area and greater that are just committing these crimes because there's no accountability. Just like if you don't get held accountable on something, you're going to keep doing it. That's kind of unfortunately human nature. So, um, like a metro-wide task force—I mean, I don't like the word task force—but I think you know Hennepin County, Ramsey County, and neighboring counties and cities need to collaborate and have uh, intel gathering, make sure that uh, we're not you know looking for the same person, but we have the mission in mind is to reduce violent crime by holding people accountable, getting them the help they need, uh, or they need to be uh, in, in jail locked up if they're going to continue uh, being violent and, and stealing cars and shooting people. We can't allow that to happen in our streets. This is America. We're supposed to be better than that.
2: Sheriff last question. As of right now, what's your plan? Do you plan to run for reelection?
4: I do, sir. I, I, I you know, we've been very, very busy with the unrest and, you know, the unfortunate uh, death of Mr. Floyd and uh, Mr. Wright and and, and others is uh, I have a lot of stuff I want to work on. I want to make sure the sheriff's office is going to be that uh, agency nationally who's going to make this profession evolve into something great, evolving into something that the community stakeholders are proud of. And I and I think with the staff I have and and with uh, the things we've been through, um I think I am going to run again. I, it's, I am going to. I think it's, it's going to be best for the county, best for the sheriff's office. Um, nobody's perfect, myself included, as we all know. Uh, but I think I've done a good job. I think my staff and I have done a good job. And, you know, I think I got more in me. I think four more years of instituting some more policies and procedures and hiring a very diverse workforce like we have been is going to make public safety in head to county better.
2: Dave Hutchinson, thanks for joining us on Sunday Take. If you've been listening today uh, and you just tuned in, you can go to WCCORadio.com and catch the entire conversation, as well as conversation with new morning host, Vanita Sakar who's joining us, and Senator Julie Rosen. I'm Blois Solson On Sunday mornings at 9, it's politics on News Talk 830 WCCO with Sunday Take. Talk to you next week.